So I would say it doesn't matter how small of a business you are, you need to make sure that you are focused on getting good technology, which will help you grow your business. And then of course, the infrastructure component of it, you know, if you're a small business, right, that's the beginning of setting up your revenue infrastructure, right? Because those two tools are of course now going to communicate and share data. So, you know, I think data is really, really important early on. Hello, and welcome back to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Matis, your host. And today we're going to have a conversation about one of my favorite topics, which is technology. The tech stack of a company can make or break the company. If you have the right technology, you can do things very fast with a lot less effort and have an edge over your competition. And if you have the wrong technology or no technology at all, you will most likely be left behind and or spend a lot more money than other people getting to the same results. The problem is there's so much software out there that it's very hard to make the right pick. And in today's show, Dan is going to walk us through a step-by-step process on what you need to know and how you should pick the right technology that fits the size and the stage of your company so you can run faster than your competition. Growing a business is tough. Believe me, I know. I'm a serial entrepreneur with three startups behind me. One went public, the second busted because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. And the third grew to $100 million in sales as part of a larger company that got sold. It took me 20 years to learn how to do it right, but now I'm on a quest to get you there much faster. I'm hosting senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, and world-class experts. Together, we search for gold, strategies, systems, processes, and practical tips that you can implement to grow your business. You will hear fascinating business stories, really funny moments, and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. Hello, and welcome back to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar, your host, and today I'm truly very, very excited. And the reason is, those of you who've been listening to me for a while, you know I'm a total tech geek. I love apps and software and gadgets, and I'm a huge believer that with the right software, you can significantly increase the efficiency and the productivity of everything that you do, either as an individual or as a business. And if you know how to do that, it gives you a very serious competitive advantage on anybody else that is in your industry that does not know how to do that properly. So as you can imagine, when I was introduced to somebody that their superpower is helping companies select the right tech tools, I was crazy excited. And hence, I'm truly honored and personally happy to have Dan McGow with us today. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. It will be. (laughs) For us, for sure. I hope the listeners as well. So then, again, now we'll get in a second to what you're doing right now, which is really, as I said, helping companies select tech stacks. But what got you to this point, your professional history that led you to what you're doing today? Yeah, you know, I've been in marketing for over 20 years. So I got my start back in 1998, sending mass emails since before there was even mass email. So, you know, everybody is familiar with MailChimp. You know, I got started five years before they did in regards to the industry. So I've just seen some shit is the easiest way to kind of say it. So, you know, I, I did my own company for about six years. And, you know, back then there really wasn't any marketing technology. I mean, I built my own websites. I was spamming people via email. You know, I got whitelisted by AOL to be able to send hundreds of thousands of emails because at the time there was really no other way to 
really do that unless you're a massive tech company. So, you know, yeah. I've just been in the industry for a long, you know, I had my own, I've always been an entrepreneur. So I've always kind of had to just figure it out, but it really got solidified, you know, when I was recruited to go join the uh, team at Kissmetrics, Kissmetrics being one of the kind of the heyday startups in the technology and marketing technology space was obviously where it really solidified that like, listen, I'm, I'm in MarkTech. So I've just been doing it for a long time and I joined Kissmetrics. I mean, that was almost... I mean, almost nine years ago now. So, you know, I've been around watching the landscape grow every single year. So, you know, I've just, I never knew I was in MarTech originally, but now I'm full hedged in it. I'm, I'm one of the thought leaders in the industry. So I'm definitely here now. Cool. So you really, you more or less bootstrap and clawed your way into what you're doing today and learn it the hard way. So now you can help other people do it easier. Oh, absolutely. I definitely, I have learned it the hard way. I can promise you that I've made plenty of mistakes. So, but you know, that's part of the fun, right? The people who fail fast are typically the ones who wind up being most successful. And that's always been my motto. Let's fail as fast as we can and figure out where the success is. I love this. You know, when we did the, the, the pre-call, you, you used a term, you called it revenue infrastructure, which yeah. I've never heard anybody use before. And I absolutely love it because it ties it back, you know, Martech is like, okay, it's about marketing, but it's not about marketing, right? It's about growing businesses. So mm-hmm. walk me through what you see as part of revenue infrastructure. Yeah, the you know revenue infrastructure at the end of the day, one of the things we forget about is you hear a lot about marketing operations, sales operations, revenue operations. You know, all of these folks who do these positions are are really smart, really talented people, but they're typically focused more on the front end of things, right? They're not focused on the infrastructure of what's going on behind the scenes with all the different tools. And the infrastructure which you have built behind there is, you know, Marketo is connected to Salesforce. Salesforce is connected to any any other data warehouse, right? So there's a ton of different uh, tools out there. And that infrastructure on the back end is really where uh, the sausage is made, right? That's how all the systems are going to talk. So when you think about the effort that you're doing in marketing, right? Maybe you're doing a marketing campaign. Maybe you're sending an email. Maybe you're running advertising. All of that information that you do has to be correctly tagged. So that way the infrastructure can actually consume that data and then make that data usable later because the data doesn't just sit in one tool. It's got to move around between all of these different tools. And you know, it's the operations team that's responsible for helping make sure this data moves around. But usually the operations team doesn't actually have the ability to change the infrastructure behind it. And that's where we have coined the term revenue infrastructure is because there's all of this infrastructure on the back end that connects sales to marketing, to customer success, um, to product, to all of these other things, to make it so that we actually understand where revenue is coming from, what actually drives conversions, what doesn't drive conversions, what drives higher LTV, what drives higher MRR. So it's really all the back end processes on how these tools are connected is what we focus on from a revenue infrastructure uh, perspective. Brilliant. I I absolutely love this. You know, I used to run a pretty large travel company. And when we built our new technology, we wrote a new technology infrastructure from scratch. One of my biggest concerns, knowing what I had before, was how do I get all the data together? And we spend a lot of time and a lot of money figuring that out on how to really get the data from, because like you said, there's all these silos. You get data from Facebook and you get data from LinkedIn and you get data from your email marketing platform and you get data from Google Analytics and you get data from your app, apps flyer or whatever you use to monitor your apps and all of the, but that's not a cohesive view of your client or your client journey of what's really happening because this is just, you know, it's a keyhole. You're looking at what you can see through that keyhole, but it doesn't give you the bigger perspective. And I think if you figured out how to help companies view the bigger picture and really understand what's going on, it's a huge, huge advantage to these companies, right? 
Oh man. I mean, if you, if you're driving a car with when you're blinded, right, you're going to get into an accident. It's the same thing with a business and a business can only be driven by being able to see its data and seeing the full picture. So the more that you get the opportunity to have good data that gives you real visibility and all access of the business, the better that you're going to be at driving that race car, right? So you really have to uh, have good data or you can't manage the business. Phenomenal. I want to ask you a question before we dive into the details and for everybody listening, that's the next thing is how do you pick the tech stack? How do you connect everything to make it work? So how do you do the magic that Dan is talking about? But before I have a question, what's the minimum size of company that is worth doing this for, right? Because it's a lot mm-hmm. of work. It's an investment, both financially, but not, I, I think the financial investment is not as great, but the setup, the infrastructure, the time, the resources that are required to put this together. What size of company needs to do this in order to make this worthwhile? Obviously, anything above that will work. Yeah, you know, honestly, I mean, I don't care how small of a business you are. The first thing you need to really focus on is your technology. If you're a a one-person landscaping company and you really want to be able to grow that business, you need to take technology serious early on because that's going to be the the competitive advantage that you're going to have. So you do want to start thinking about what are the tools I'm going to use? What's going to make me successful? What's going to help me automate that business? Because at the end of the day, your tools are meant to take over and do work for you, right? So I would say it doesn't matter how small of a business you are, you need to make sure that you are focused on getting good technology, which will help you grow your business. And then of course, the infrastructure component of it, you know, if you're a small business, right, and you connect, let's just say as an example, you have HubSpot as your marketing automation tool, and you have Salesforce as your uh, CRM, connecting those tools together, that's the beginning of setting up your revenue infrastructure, right? Because those tool T those tool tool, excuse me, those two tools are, of course, now going to communicate and share data. So, you know, I think data is really, really important early on. Don't get me wrong. You need to first make revenue, right? You first need to, of course, get profitability and stuff like that before you throw all of your eggs at like getting technology tools. But I think if you start with a really, really good foundation, it makes your life way easier in the future. And, and I'll give you a simple use case on this. Many, Absolutely. many, many companies who are B2B, right, who start out, they're like, we're just going to use HubSpot marketing automation and HubSpot CRM because, you know, they have all these free discounts and all these credits and all this stuff. But then what they don't think about, well, okay, well, in three years from now, when you're really becoming a company, is HubSpot going to be the tool that your sales team should be using? In most companies, the answer is no, you should be using Salesforce. Well, let's just imagine this. You have uh, a company which is growing at 100% year over year. Let's even just say 50% year over year. And in the middle of that year, you then have to say, all right, everybody, we're going to switch from HubSpot to Salesforce. And you need to now learn Salesforce. You need to change all of your workflows, all of your processes. This is an extremely expensive thing to do. One, it slows the team down. But two, you have to hire somebody or a company like ours to do the migration. And then there's the adoption phase. Why would you do that stuff? Do that to yourself? Even in our consulting business, right? We started out with me as the salesperson with Salesforce because we knew as we hired our VP of sales and as we built out our team, we wouldn't be able to stick with HubSpot. We'd have to move to Salesforce. Well, why, why transition later? So we were just like, hell, we got to start with this now because we know where we're going. So it is really, really important for you to think, hey, what am I going to be like in three years or five years? Because if you have to switch CRM or if you have to switch marketing automation, that's a huge lift and it can really stall the growth of your business. So you've got to be able to make the right decisions early on. I, I agree hundred percent. And I also think, like you said, I, I think the, the difference from a financial perspective in the beginning is marginal. Like you're going yeah. to save, you know, within a year, okay. $2,000. If you pick the cheaper tool, the cheaper tools, 
over a year in the life of a business. It's meaningless. Like the tools today are really, really cheap, especially for the smaller scale editions of things. And it becomes stupidly expensive as the company grows, but that's a whole different story. But the for, <laughs> for a s- small company, you know, one to 20 employees, all the tools out there today, they're amazing tools and they vary between, you know, tens of dollars to hundreds of dollars a month. So you're going to save, like I said, if you, if you go really cheap and try to save whatever, you're going to save $1,000 over the year. Is this worth the headache afterwards? Probably not. So I love the way you framed it. So let's dive right in. How do I pick? I'm getting started. How do I pick what tools I need that will suit my needs? What questions do I need to ask myself? I know we have a very, a very detailed process on what a company needs to do because you do this with a lot of companies. So walk us through the process on how do I pick the right tools and how do I then connect them together and how do I implement them in the business so people actually use them? Yeah. This is probably going to be not the answer most people would expect, right? And I hate to say it, but most every time I say this, people are like, oh, I didn't think of that. First, you need to focus on your objectives and your strategy as a company and then back your tools into that. Most companies choose tools because they're cool and because a sales rep told me it's going to do something and it's a shiny object, which is the wrong way to choose a tool. So the first thing you want to do, and this is what we do with our clients. When a client comes to us and say, hey, listen, um, we want to re-architect our stack. We want to look at a new CRM. We want to look at a new customer data platform, whatever it may be. The first thing we question, what, question them, what are your objectives? What are your key results? How will you know you're successful? What is your business strategy? What are you trying to accomplish? So we ask all these questions and we try to understand what is the business going to do over the next couple of years? What are the objectives? What is the strategy? Things like that. That's the first thing we start with. The second thing we then start with, okay, well, who's on your team? What type of talent do you have? And then what type of talent can you attract in the future? Because at the end of the day, if you don't get an adoption of a tool, if you don't have somebody who can maintain the tool or run the tool, there's no point in buying the tool. And we see this happen all the time. As an example, right? A lot of companies buy Marketo very, very early on because they know that's the tool they're going to go with, but then nobody on the team knows how to use Marketo. They can't even acquire the talent that would work on on Marketo. So why buy Marketo if you can't even get the talent to work? on it. So you have to really first focus on your objectives. Next, you need to understand who are the people I have access to, who are the people I'm going to have access to in the future. And I see this happen a lot. You know, we we're a bit, we were the first partner of Segment, Segment, who's the big customer data platform. We were the first partner of theirs. We've been working with them a really, really long time. And a key thing that we see happen all the time is companies will buy Segment. However, they have nobody internally who can actually run the program. Now, that's great for my business. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about it. It's great for my business because they come and hire me and they hire my team and we work with them forever. But with that being said, the ability for them to get talent that knows how to use segment is practically impossible in many cases. Why? Because one, I'm willing to pay a crazy amount of money for anybody who knows segment to hire them as a consultant. But at the same time, so are big companies, right? Big tech companies are finding these people. So as a middle market company who's in manufacturing, as an example, and you buy segment, you're always going to be stuck with a consultant. And that's an okay thing if that's part of your strategy, right? We're okay with consultants. But the problem with companies that are not okay with consultants, which anybody out there who like has some beef against hiring people smarter than them, which I think they're idiots, like you need to hire consultants to help you. But if that's not part of your strategy, then you shouldn't be buying a product that you can't hire for either. So the team and our ability to resource those things are going to be next. And then the last thing I will ultimately say is return on investment. A lot of companies forget about the ability to drive a return from these tools or what the return is. And each tool is different. And when I say a return, I think the common thing that marketers go is, oh, I spent $500 on this tool. It's got to drive $10,000 in revenue back. 
That is not how ROI works, okay? Return on investment can come from time savings of labor. And that's usually where technology really has its biggest time saver is instead of having somebody manually working this, it actually saves that person. So that's an equation that most people get wrong. They simply say, I spent $20,000 a year on Marketo. We need to make it so that emails drive $40,000 in revenue so we can pay that off. And it's like, that's the wrong way to look at this. Yes, I agree. It's got to have a return on investment from a revenue, but how much time are you saving your team from having to send emails or having to do operations? That's where the real money comes into play is when you can stop paying a human and start paying a robot. That's where the time saving comes in. And you know, I want to be clear with this. I talk about this all the time. Replace humans as quickly as you possibly can with robots. Why? Because humans are so smart that they should not be focused on the things that a stupid robot can do. There is nothing wrong with moving a human to a smarter, better task that a robot can handle the stupid, simple task. And people always afraid that they're going to lose their jobs. It's like, no, you're not going to lose your job. You have a value that a robot can't do, and that's called being a human, having logical reasoning. Artificial intelligence can't replace you in many things. So, you know, I think saving labor is a huge aspect of marketing technology people forget about. But return on investment is the third biggest thing you have to focus on when choosing tools. Can this tool actually help us or not? Phenomenal. I love this. I want to kind of summarize these points. So the first thing is define your goals then define the milestones that are going to get you there. So I don't care if you use OKR or KPIs or whatever you call, whatever acronym you need, you use, define what are the things that you can track that will show you that you're actually going towards the goals that you want to go for. Then you can say, okay, these are the kind of tools that can allow me to achieve those KPIs. Then look, if you have the right talent to actually use the tools that you're trying to get and then say, okay, now that I know all of this, What's going to be the return on the investment on the tool so you know how much you can spend in order to acquire the tool that you use? Spot on. Spot on. Let's talk about the tools themselves. What kind of tools do I need? Yeah. You know, the first tool we always tell companies that they need to get is a website, obviously, right? Like that is still a tool. WordPress is still a product. So is Webflow. So is all the other Wix sites. I don't care what you use. So either way, get a website, right? But that's obvious. The next tool that we really hyper-focus on is you need to make sure that you have a marketing automation tool. How am I going to store the data that my customers give me about them? I need to save their first name, their last name, their email, and all that stuff. So a marketing automation tool is going to be one of the biggest tools you need to add to your stack. Next, if you're a B2B business, you're going to need a CRM, right? A traditional sales CRM is going to be the next thing you're going to need. uh, And you're going to couple that with your marketing automation tool. So those are two real big parts of anybody's stack, right? Those are the hubs of the systems in many cases. And then the last thing you have to make sure that you have, of course, is analytics. Google Analytics will do a good job, but that's just traffic to your website. What you really need to do is have more of an upgraded version of analytics, like maybe Mixpanel, Amplitude, or even a Kissmetrics. Those are behavioral analytics products, so they not only track what the customer is doing on the website, they track all the behaviors that they have, but they also will track who's doing it. So with Google Analytics, you have no idea who this user is that visited this page. With these behavior analytics products, you you can actually save who the person is, you can track the repeat purchase rate, you can track its lifetime value, you can really build a profile around that person. So if you have automation, right, it's going to make it's going to save you time, money and labor, and it's going to help you do marketing. If you have a CRM, you can track the relationship of your customers. And if you have an analytics tool, you can measure all of these things to make sure it's successful. But those are the three foundational things that you should have in your stack, especially if you're B2B. If you're B2B, you can drop the sales CRM out of there, your marketing automation tool will do. So really, you need to have automation and analytics. Don't get me wrong, there's a 100 other tools that you should probably be adding. But those are the biggest foundational pieces you need in your stack. Okay, I want to ask a question, and you kind of touched on it, and it's and it's a big question, I think, for a lot of people, especially smaller companies. 
most CRMs today provide marketing automation tools. Most marketing automation tools provide some sort of a CRM. And, and, and the truth of the matter is each of them started from a different direction, but they both understand that you got to have both. So each kind of grew into the other. And to me, the best example maybe is, is HubSpot because HubSpot did not have a CRM in the beginning. HubSpot, now yeah. people refer to HubSpot as a CRM, but that's not how they started. They started with email automation and so on tools and then figured out they need a CRM, which now became the core of what they do. But they definitely provide all these other services. Question number one is where do you draw the line? Question number two is when does it make sense to go with one tool versus get two separate tools that are better in one aspect of the things? So, you know, I'll start, you know, the problem that you run into whenever you're choosing a platform that does both is that you're, you're compromising, right? You're basically saying I'm willing to settle on features so that way I can have an easy user interface. And I think this makes sense for a lot of companies, you know, HubSpot, uh, marketing automation tied with HubSpot CRM, you know, it makes it a lot easier for the marketing people and the salespeople to, to do their job because it's all kind of connected. Yep. The problem is, is with those things is that it's not, it's not extremely advanced. It's very, very limited, right? Because you're no longer using a best in breed tool. Now, I would say that HubSpot marketing automation is a best in breed tool. I would not say their CRM is a best in breed tool. I think they're definitely making some leaps and bounds there. However, it's not a best in breed tool. Now, HubSpot automation as well does everything under the sun. So it doesn't do many things very, very well. I would say it's 60% good at everything and 40% bad at everything, right? So I definitely think if you're trying to keep it simple for the team that you have, I think the platform approach makes a ton of sense. And, you know, especially if you're a, a small company or, a, you know, actually it doesn't matter what type of company you are, small, medium, or large. You know, I know billion dollar companies that are using HubSpot because that's all they can actually manage because of the team that they have. So, you know, I think there's a time and a place for everybody who has the platform approach because it's easier on the team. They're, you don't need as many technical people. So if you're a company that cannot acquire really, really high-end talent who knows how to do this technical stuff, chances are you should go with the platform approach. And you know, you're right. I mean, a lot of people are crossing the chasm. I mean, active campaign, marketing automation tool now has a CRM, right? Agile CRM was always a CRM with automation built into it, right? So I see a lot of more people doing this and I would totally agree with you. For me, I personally prefer the best in breed stacks. You know, one, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I have access to the talent, right? I have access to some of the smartest people in this industry. So, you know, for me, best of breed makes the most sense. I know how to connect the things. You know, I talk about this in my book, Build Cool Shit, is like, how do you build a modern tech stack? And the modern tech stack is not a platform approach. It is very much a best in breed revenue infrastructure style stack where everything is standalone. And in our business, we run our own stack is a bunch of individual best in breed exactly what the objective is at the right price point with our team being able to run it to drive the objective. So going back to the talent question, right? That's going to be what decides the answer, whether you do platform or non-platform approach. If you can go the best of breed route though, I promise you this, you'll kick all of your competitors in their teeth in the long run. The best in breed stacks are able to create magical things that other platforms cannot. You know, Marketo is, while it is a best in breed marketing automation tool, right? It crushes it in that space. It does a really, really good job. Salesforce, again, best in breed tool with its Salesforce CRM. However, if you look at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, it's a nightmare. 
right? Like it just does not work, right? Pardot, it is not that great. How does Adobe own Marketo, who has the best integration out of all the products out there with, Mar with, with Salesforce, but Salesforce owns Salesforce Marketing Cloud and owns Pardot, but yet those, those integrations suck, Correct. right? So these best in breed products, they really do make a difference. And it's important for companies to, to understand that. So I think your answer was brilliant. And I think the one thing that I capture out of it is, do you have the talent or you can afford the talent to build the best of breed solution? Because it will give you a better solution. It's going to cost you, well, it's going to cost you more money because you need multiple platforms instead of one, but it's also going to cost you more money because you need an integrator in-house or full-time consulting company in-house like that does it for you to help you connect things together, which leads me to the next question. How do you connect them together? Meaning, is there the one middleware that controls it all, or is it a lot of one-offs integrations? Meaning, is there a magical solution out there that can really help say, okay, if I get this and I get one guy that knows how to run this middleware thing, now I can get a Salesforce CRM, I can get a HubSpot or Marketo uh, marketing automation tool, I can get uh, whatever other tools, right? Another analytics tool that I want to use, but I don't need five people to make these five connections. Yeah, really, really good question. You know, when you think about the products you choose, right? I've mentioned the first three originally. And, you know, one of the big decisions you have to choose a tool on is based upon how does it integrate with the rest of my tools? So if I was to give you a fourth one, I would say integration ability is definitely really, really important. And, you know, there's definitely products out there that my firm will not work with because it sucks at integrating with the rest of the internet. Products like Infusionsoft, NetSuite, Keep, which is Infusionsoft, they just don't play well with others, which sucks, right? Even Pardot and Pardot would be, I remember when we used Pardot years ago, we used to say that Pardot was built by engineers that hated because it just did not work like software, right? It built like an on-premise solution. So, you know, you really do have to focus on tools that you, you can integrate. And that's going to be a big part of it. And, you know, you can hire contractors that are going to be able to help you integrate certain solutions because I will say, you know, point solutions, Marketo to Salesforce, there's certain people that are going to know how to do that. Meanwhile, if you're trying to connect Salesforce to Clearbit, there's a different consultant. So, you know, you need to get good at finding these contractors as well. They'll be able to help you out a lot. And, you know, Upwork's a great place for that. I use Upwork all the time, as well as many other communities. But just kind of getting back to, to some of the questions about the middleware that would manage this. There's three types of integrations that you're typically going to see. You're going to have a client-side integration, which means that you know they're writing code on the website, and that's going to connect the data from your website to these tools. You then have a server-side integration. So that means that if you have a software product, somebody does something on your product, the server sends data updated to something else. And then you have what's known as a platform-side integration. Now, a platform-side integration is going to be when you're basically using two tools to either connect to each other or you're putting some sort of middleware in between. So Zapier is probably one of the most popular middleware tools out there. And I just want to make sure it's called Zapier because they're called Zaps because Zaps make you happier. So Zapier makes you happier. It is not Zapier. They're, they're Zaps. But either way, Zapier is probably one of the most common middleware tools where this happens over here. I see that. I then send this data over there. Now, there's a lot of people that use Zapier uh, and do a lot. I mean, I do a ton in Zapier. We automate all kinds of stuff in our business through Zapier. But there is the next level up from that, which is really, really powerful versions of Zapier. So there's companies out there like Trade.io. Um, you even have Hull.io. You have Workato. There's probably a couple hundred of these data processing tools. 
And the goal of these tools in many cases is just to connect two disparate systems together. So that way you can have a successful stack. So, you know, there are a lot of different options for the middleware when it comes down to platform side integration, you know, products like Marketo and Salesforce, they have a really, really strong sync. So, you know, you can hire a consultant who can get that set up really, really quickly for you. But at the same time, somebody on your team can usually figure something out like that. It's just a bunch of field mapping. Where this gets more complicated, of course, is when you're trying to pull data out of Salesforce, pull data out of Marketo, pull data out of the ad networks and dump it into a data warehouse. That's when it really, you start, you want to start working with somebody who knows what they're doing there. Products like Fivetran or Stitch, Funnel.io, which is one of my favorite tools out there. These platforms make it really, really easy to pull all the data out and put it into a warehouse where you can actually run real math, where you have a BI uh, tool, Tableau, Looker, Power, whatever. But that's, that's different stuff, right? So there there are products like Zapier, which will help you with that middleware. If you need to pull the data out, there's data extraction tools that will be able to help you do that as well. But you know, you you do need to make sure that you hire a good person that can manage this. You don't need to have a full-time person. You can definitely hire a contractor to do it. Just remember, you're, you're now taking the onus on yourself to manage them. And if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you don't know, hopefully they know what you don't know, and you really have to try to put that trust in them to do it for you. I love it. Fantastic. I, I want to say one thing kind of like from my personal experience as far as data extraction and, and where do you pour everything. Something that people don't think about always when they pick these kind of th solutions is where the data is being dumped to. And what I mean by that is you need to think about the day that you want to migrate and do you own the data? Does your the company that provides the service owns the data? Is it in any infrastructure that you can actually migrated it somewhere else or is it in their proprietary database that you can't do nothing with so when you build these kind of solutions that are really kind of like the mother of all data collection repositories think big as way bigger than you can think right now for your current business and think of the day you want to migrate to something else and is that data in a warehouse that can be migrated somewhere else or if that business goes as a business tomorrow, you're fucked. <laughs> and so I always tell people, think of somebody that has been around forever, that has huge databases, that the data sits there. What sits on top of the data? I don't care. You can use whatever tools. But if you go with somebody like, you know, Google BigQuery, they're not going anywhere. And it's, and mm -hmm. it's a standardized database that everybody knows how to use that will never run out of memory, that will never run out of business. Well, I don't know, never, but not in the foreseeable future. And that literally almost anything on the planet knows how to connect to today. So that's just one example. There's obviously others. But if you think that way, if you think about that, that data is the core of every decisions I'm going to make and is the decisions of every single automation I'm going to build, you got to have ownership of it and say, oh, it's easy to connect, so I'm going to use this tool. But then two years later, you, you can't do anything other than use this tool. So just one addition, additional point to think about when you pick these kind of things. I want to make the last segment very, very practical because you, you mentioned a lot of tools and I think you, I can kind of already tell which are your favorites, but let's break it down into different scenarios, right? A small company that's just getting started, so you know, one person to you tell me how many, but a relatively small X, then a slightly bigger company, what tools you recommend them to use? And then if you're bigger than that, what's the best process to go big boys kind of play? But mm -hmm. then let's, let's name the exact tools and, and what's the right way to put them together. 
Yeah. Well, let's start with that small company, right? If you're a one man band or something to that effect, you know, it's going to be very rare that you're going to use one tool, right? You're going to have a stack of tools, which are going to really be able to help you. But, you know, if I was, if I was a small business again, you know, I'd be looking at products for my marketing automation tool. I'd be looking at an active campaign. I'd be looking at MailChimp. I'd probably be looking at auto, you know, I might be looking at HubSpot just depending upon what type of business I am, but I would be focused on that. If I was a small business, just kind of getting started out and I was not going to be expanding into hyper growth mode. If I was really needing a CRM, I'd be looking at products more like Pipedrive, uh, a Close.io, maybe even an Agile CRM. You know, Zoho as well, they have an amazing cheap suite for small businesses. So, you know, I think that would be another company that I would look at. You know, I don't care how small of a business you are. You need to have Google Analytics installed on your website. I highly recommend to use WordPress as a website. Uh, it makes it super easy. If you're Shopify, I mean, if you're trying to start e-commerce, I mean, I would go with Shopify. Nine times out of 10, it's going to accomplish what you need to do, which will keep it nice and easy. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Shopify app network, you know, they're all the plugins that you can add. That's going to make it so you can you can really do anything you want. So I would say for yeah. a small business, I would try to keep it simple. If you were to grow right and you're focused on, hey, listen, we might be one person now and, you know, we're going to be 10 people at the end of this year and, you know, we're going to be 100 people next year. You know, I would change that stack pretty considerably. You know, if you're a B2B company and you, you, you plan to grow, I would definitely consider Salesforce very early just because it does enable you to do whatever you want. They have the largest amount of app connections out of all the CRMs out there. So I would really consider Salesforce as your CRM. But if you're if you're B2C, you know, I would start looking at changing my my marketing automation tools. One, I think automation for at, from Active Campaign or even uh, autopilot can help most people in the mid-market. But you are going to start pushing the point where you should probably be using something like a Clavy customer.io, which is definitely a lot more advanced. I would say uh, as a mid-sized business, I'd be looking at a customer.io. Still again, Google Analytics from an analytics perspective. But at that point, you definitely want to be adding a product like Mixpanel or Amplitude, which can give you the behavior tracking. But I would also recommend products like Hotjar for heat mapping, session recordings, things like that, which are going to really kind of help you kind of push the business forward. You know, I think when you're a mid-sized business, it is in your best interest to start considering what are we going to do for data warehousing? How am I going to take the data out and then put this into another warehouse, whether it's just being dumped there and it's saved for later? You know, I think an S3 bucket, Redshift, um, is really, really easy. I highly recommend BigQuery, like you had mentioned, to be able to dump your data and things like that. However, if you're a big company or if you're a company that's going to be focused really, really on growth, if you're in the B2B space, I would definitely recommend marketing automation tools like Marketo. Uh, I would also recommend Pardot, really, really strong tool. Salesforce for your CRM, for sure. You definitely, if you're going to be focused on growth, you need a data warehouse. I'd be looking at more things like Snowflake if I'm going to grow to be a big business. Uh, I think that's a really, really good solution. You know, business intelligence tools are going to become more, more important. Tableau is an easy entry point. Looker is who we typically recommend for big companies. And then when you you talk about the marketing automation suite, right? That's where it starts to get more complex because now you're no longer just having a marketing automation suite that sends emails. You are probably doing cross channels. So that's where you start layering on, of course, you can have a customer.io manage that. Products like Iterable, especially in B2C, enable you to have really, really good cross channel communication. So, you know, I definitely think there's kind of a graduation that you get to go up to, but it, you know, each business is its unique snowflake. And I think that that's the thing that people don't understand is just because your competitor is using Marketo does not mean you should, right? Just because your competitor is using Salesforce doesn't mean you should. It means that, hey, you have some intel that they're doing something. So, but there's definitely a different stack for every company. And, you know, if you really want to learn how to build all these stacks, you know, I advise getting a copy of my book. Um, I'd love to give everybody listening a free copy all you have to do is pull out your cell phone number you're going to text the number 415 
415-915-9011. I'll say the number again. It's 415-915-9011. All you have to do is text the word MARTECH, so M-A-R-T-E-C-H. Uh, be careful, spell, spell correct. We'll try to send the wrong word, so just be conscious of that. But if you text in, you'll actually get an opportunity to see what modern um, automation looks like. This is a text bot which will collect your information, and it's all automated to the point where it'll ship you your book totally through automation. So this will give you a, a kind of a snapshot view into what's the type of marketing that you should be doing to get that going. So I hope everybody takes an opportunity because in the book, we talk about the use cases for the stack and then also the problem with choosing tools and how you should think about choosing tools and how you should integrate them. So hopefully that will help you kind of uh, push forward in your journey of building the right stack. Dan, this was, I'm sure for a lot of people drinking from a, <laughs> drinking from a very big hose, but it was spot on and you're obviously very, very knowledgeable on all of this. I want to summarize kind of like the three biggest takes that I take from this, and you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong. One, know what you're trying to do as a first step. Yeah, know for sure. what you can afford, not so much from the tools, but from the talent that will allow you to actually use the tools. And then make sure that you have the right tools for the type of growth and the size of company you are and don't be either under or over because in both cases, you're not going to be effective. Is that a good yeah. overall summary? I think it's spot on. I think you did a good job. Perfect. If people want to connect with you, if people want to follow you, find you, other than obviously what you give about your book, how do they do that? Yeah, you know, I'm most active on LinkedIn. I would love to be able to communicate with any of you there. Just look for Dan Maga. Uh, You'll be able to find me there. I'm happy to connect, answer any questions that you have or anything like that. Uh, so happy to do that. And then as well as you can always find any of our uh, free education on our website at magal.io. Everything that we do for our clients, we publicly train other people to do that as well. So if you, if you really want to learn this stuff, you can go check it out all on our website. Amazing. This was fascinating. It was whole like a huge amount of information in a very short period of time. So I'm going to re-listen to the episode that I just recorded and take notes. I hope a lot of people do this again. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This has been a pleasure. This was great, right? I mean, it's such an important component of a business is picking up the right tools and making the wrong decisions will cost your business a lot of money and a lot of resources. So I'm really happy that we had a chance to have Dan on the show today. Speaking of marketing resources, if you want to know all the tools that I use for marketing and technology in, in my business, you can visit the eTrap.com and very close to the top, you'll find a place where you can put in your name and the email address, and I will send you a full cheat sheet of all the tools we use, why we use them, and why we pick them compared to their competition. I can guarantee you that's a great point to start because all the tools we have today jointly are probably two to $300 a month. And we have a full stack doing everything we need in our business. And until next time, have an incredible week. Your business growth is my number one priority in this podcast. To do that, I want to bring the biggest names that I can and get you practical tips as frequently as possible. And you can help. Visit Apple Podcasts right now, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast. And I would really appreciate it. And if you want my number one tip, for business growth acceleration, visit growthaccelerator.biz right now. <laughs>